I want to invite up my friend Crystal, Crystal Gervich, and um, and I am usually the primary communicator, Bible teacher uh, here at Reunion, but um, I wanted my friend Crystal uh, to get to share what God has been putting on her heart in re regarding uh, this, where we're at in our journey through the New Testament letter to the church in Ephesus. And, um, and so I got a week off as far as study prep and everything, and it was really nice. And I get to just sit um, and just learn and receive. And so thanks, Crystal. Thanks okay. for that. Um, but also um, just, um, and you, you guys will know this, know this as well, um, just diff there's just different communities that have been able to um, be blessed by Crystal's teaching gift and just the, the, the spirit of God working and speaking through her. And I know that you guys will experience that uh, this morning as as well. Um, but yeah, so thanks for this for this break. But also, I've I've seen your notes and your preparation and everything that God's putting on your heart to say. And um, I'm I'm looking forward to what God's going to be saying to us this morning. So thanks, Crystal. Well, thank um, if I uh, could pray for you, and then um, if anybody needs a Bible, Bible app on your phone, if you like. I was just about to say grab one, but uh, <laughs> maybe thing. maybe the Bible app on maybe a Bible app on your phone if you like. So um, yeah, but let me uh, I'll pray for Crystal if you guys want to. Stretch out a hand towards her. So, um, may the words of your mouth, Crystal, and the meditation of our hearts this morning be pleasing in God's sight. God, who is our rock and our redeemer, and the one who brings peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me, uh, Pastor Andy and Sarah. Um, one of my very favorite things about coming to Reunion is your name tags. I always love seeing um, what you guys, what questions you have on your name tags and the answers. And um, I saw a lot of people wanted to bring back hair as a style, if they could bring it back. So I know my friend Laura said she wanted to have 70s hairstyle. And there was a a gentleman that wanted to bring back long hair for men. Yes. Um, so that was really cool. And to see the different emojis, um, mine is the praise hands. So it can, it's like, yes, victory or high fives. It's, it's kind of has different meanings. So that's always um, a fun thing to see a glimpse into someone's heart just by seeing one word or reading word, one thing um, that about them, you can kind of get a glimpse of that. And so one of those types of icebreaker questions is, um, what's your favorite superhero power? If you could have one superhero power, what would it be? And when I was thinking about this for myself, I was like, if I'm going to be really, really good at one thing, I want that one thing to be really, really good. So it's hard for me to make that decision, right? So if you're thinking about that, do what is my one thing that I want to be really, really good at? Um, I asked my husband this question. He came back, fired off like three or four answers. So it was easy for him. So one of his um, was he wanted to have mind control. So I kind of had to sit and think about that one. <laughs> Whose mind does he want to control? The second one, um, he said he wanted to talk to animals. So he uh, wanted to ask an octopus how it felt to be so malleable. Yes, gauche. So I was like, okay, that's good to know. Um, he also wanted to fly. So that's, that's always a cool one, you know. Um, so thinking about superhero powers, what is that one thing that you want to be really, really good at? So one thing that he's also really, really good at is telling me um, a lot of times that he is super chosen. <laughs> and why does he tell me that he's super chosen a lot? Um, by his DNA, by his family, um, he, they are 99% Ashkenazi Jew. 
So for centuries and centuries and centuries, their family um, has been Russia, Lithuania. Um, so the Ashkenazi Jews are Jews that used to live, you know, they were dispersed from Israel and then they landed in the uh, valley uh, near France uh, called the Rhineland Valley. And they lived there until the 11th and 13th century when the Crusades were happening. And so then they moved more over to the Slavic nations. And so my husband was born in Belarus, and so he is 99% Ashkenazi Jew. So he likes to tell me that he is super chosen by God. <laughs> so technically, I am a Gentile by my DNA, and by his DNA, he is 99% Jewish. So in the first century, we would have been two completely different people groups. I would have been considered a pagan, someone not associated with God at all, and he would have been in a conversation with people about the God of the universe, about the God of creation, about the creator, the one that has the miracle wonder powers. So we would have been completely separated. And we, one of us would have belonged in those conversations, and one of us wouldn't have been belonged in the, in the conversation about God. So when we live our lives today, maybe we kind of feel like we're in a group or an area of our life where we could be considered chosen by the people that are around us, or maybe we don't feel so chosen by the people that are around us. In our scripture today, Paul will explain to us that because of Jesus, everyone, no matter who you are, or are no, you are no longer considered to be separated by the one that matters, Jesus. Because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, we are considered insiders. We have the inside info. Because people who have access to everything and have promises to everything, those are the chosen people, and that includes you. We're all a part of God's family, and Pastor Andy has um, taken you through the book of Ephesians. So the first chapter of Ephesians is a prayer uh, from Paul, and he goes and, and, and tells us that he hopes that our, the eyes of our hearts are enlightened. And um, then it, chapter 2 flows out of that prayer in chapter 1, and he uses a lot of words about power. And today we're going to learn about that that power that is at work in us is is there so that God could build a new human race and that we could um, have a new society that we could work together and have direct access to God. So Paul is telling us in the verses, so we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 11 through 22. So those are the verses that we're going to study today together. And in those verses, Paul is going to tell us four things. One of those things is that you're no longer an outsider and you actually have direct access to God, and God created a new human race. We're no longer Jews and Gentiles. There's a new race. Um, he also, uh, Paul tells us that Jesus tore down every single barrier that had ever been built in order to keep us away from being, uh, having direct access from God. Jesus tore all those down, and Jesus also came to uh, give us peace. And so we talked a lot about uh, peace earlier today. We need peace in our, in our daily lives and not just the peace that um, may last for a little bit, but a foundation of peace. And then he wanted to bring us peace because he knew that each and every single one of us would be used as a brick to build a home for him. 
So let's read, um, and he's um, chapter 2, starting in verse 11. So Paul is writing this when he's in prison, and he's chained to a guard, and he's writing to the people of Ephesus because they're Gentiles. They are not considered uh, the chosen people. They would be Gentile pagans, and so they aren't aware of this beautiful new gift of inclusion that they've been given because of the sacrifice of Jesus. So Paul writes in verse 11, but don't take any of this for granted. It was only yesterday that you were an outsider to God's ways, and you had no idea of any of this. You didn't know the first thing about the way God was working, and you hadn't even the faintest idea of Christ. You knew nothing of the rich history of God's covenants and promises in Israel. You didn't have a clue about what God was doing in the world. Now, because of Christ dying that death, shedding that blood, you who were once out of it altogether are now in on everything. The Messiah has made things up between us, so now we're insiders together on this, both non-Jewish outsiders and Jewish insiders. He tore down the wall we used to keep each other um, at a distance. He repealed the law code that had become so clogged with fine print and notes, footnotes that it hindered more than it helped. Then Jesus started over. Instead instead of continuing with two people groups, the people separated by centuries of animosity and suspicion, he created a new kind of human being, a fresh start for everybody. So we are no longer outsiders, uh, but we, have, we are a new human race with direct access to God. So Paul tells us to, in the first part of the scripture to remember. Remember when you were separated from Christ. Remember the, when you didn't understand what was happening in the world. Remember when you were considered the foreigner. Remember when you were considered, when your name tag would, might have read that you were without hope, that you were hopeless, that you were unclean, that you were considered the other person, that you were considered the alien without a home, an outsider, an outcast, a stranger, and that you were separated from Christ. Remember that. Thinking about this list, I certainly have felt these ways, and I know people close to me have felt this, and I know that uh, when you feel this, the pain of feeling like an outsider, unclean, unwanted, separated, that the, the heaviness of that weight to feel that is something that hurts deeply. And relating to these labels without begin to carry. And that's a weight that's just too heavy for us to even begin to carry. And that's why Jesus' resurrecting power is a most precious gift. Because there's another group that would have had a name tag that would have simply read chosen. And chosen comes with all the luxuries and the privilege that you might imagine the chosen people would have felt hope and they would have felt like they had a home and they would have felt like they had a family and they would have felt clean and they would have felt like they had a way to get to God to even become clean. So these two groups were t- labeled and they, the, their associations couldn't have been more separated. And the chosen group had lived for centuries with the knowledge that they were chosen, that they had direct access with God. They had access to the God of wonders. And for generations, they were the ones with this access. And the group of the others, we had no idea that we had access to this group. And so Paul says in verse 12, you knew nothing of that rich history of the covenants. And before Jesus, 
we didn't know. But after Jesus, things change. Have you ever been like one of those people where you may not be keeping up with social media and or you don't know a current event or something in history and you learn something? I kind of watch a lot of documentaries, so I like to be like, did you know that JFK? Or So I just love learning things about history. And if I go and share that to someone and someone's like, yeah, I already knew that. Thanks for sharing. It kind of like fizzles out your excitement. So what do you think that the Ephesians might have felt? Because they were totally left out of all these amazing things that the Jewish um, nation would have known. They would have known for centuries. They were chosen and there was a covenant and there was a promise. But as a, a person considered on the outside, a foreigner separated, you wouldn't know that. So the Ephesians are just learning about this new beautiful gift that they have. And Paul says that um, they're in, in the scriptures, there's an old covenant and there's a new covenant. And so Paul tells them, you had no idea about the covenants. And um, we're going to look at people, but now you're an insider. And so you get to know this. And um, we're going to look at um, the different scriptures about the old covenant and the new covenant. So a covenant in the Bible is considered, um, they're usually made um, kind of like, the. have you ever heard cutting a deal? I'm going to cut a deal with you. So that's a common phrase that we use today, but that is um, based in um, scriptures where people that would make a covenant, make a promise, cut a deal together. They would take an animal and actually cut the animal in half. They would lay one part of the animal on one side and the other part on the other. And they would walk, each would walk through the middle of the animal, the cut animal. So blood was shed and the animals were on either side of you and you would walk through and you would make a covenant. Each person would walk through the middle. And as you were walking through the middle of making your covenant, um, you were saying, if I don't keep my end of this deal that we're cutting, let the same thing that happened to this animal happen to me. So in the Bible, there's an old covenant that God first establishes with a guy named Abram. And that happens in um, Genesis. And so God, in Genesis 15, he goes to Abram and he says, I want to cut a deal with you, Abram. I want to make you a holy nation. I want to make you this nation that is going to bless the entire world. And so Abram says, okay, God, I'll cut a deal with you. So he prepares the animals. He sheds the blood of the animals. He lays out the animals. He's ready to walk through. And before he walks through, uh, God causes a deep sleep to come on Abram. And so God walks through. So there's a really weird part to this story. So before we can get to the cool part, we have to talk about the kind of weird part that happens. So God causes Abram to go into a deep sleep. So Abram's asleep, but God is about to make the covenant. So God walks through the middle, and so God is making a covenant with Abraham. That promise I made you, I'm going to keep it. And then also coming through the middle of the covenant was a smoking pot and a blazing fire. So you can read about it later in Genesis 15. And so Abram doesn't walk through the middle. He wants to cut this deal with God, but God causes him to sleep. So as the flaming, uh, the smoking pot and the flame come down, God is saying, Abram, I'm going to make this covenant with you, and I'm actually going to walk through twice. I'm the one that's going to make a deal with myself. I'm making this deal with myself because I know that you will never be able to keep up your end. And because I know you will never be able to keep up your end of this deal, 
I'm going to walk through twice. And when I walk through twice, I know the consequence of breaking, that if you break your end, know that I eventually will have to make a blood covenant, and that will be through my son Jesus. My son Jesus will one day have to shed his blood to keep up this end of this deal. What a beautiful promise and a covenant to know that God kept a covenant with us, a blood covenant. So the old covenant, the Jewish people, the ones that were considered chosen, they knew that in the future that there would, uh, the covenant with God was their promise to make them a beautiful, holy nation. This idea of old covenant would be uh, in the Old Testament over and over again. Uh, they would see it with Abraham, and then they would see it with Moses in the Passover. So in the Passover in Exodus, they would uh, kill a lamb, shed the blood, and then they were covered. Um, and when they became a new nation, they set up a priesthood where you would go and you would take an animal and you would cut the animal and the blood would be shed, and then you would be covered. So this idea of, of shedding blood and promise and being covered and saved and clean came over and over again to uh, the chosen people, and they would, knew, they would know that this promise is a promise that they had. But we, as Gentiles separated, we wouldn't know that promise. So the idea that Jesus is our new covenant um, comes in because Jesus' sacrifice became that new covenant. There was no need for any more temporary uh, sacrifices in blood. Uh, Jesus is our new covenant. That covenant he made with Abraham, he said, I know, Abraham, you're never going to be able to cover this, but I will take care of it for you through my son Jesus. And now because of Jesus in verse 13, so Paul says, you have no idea about the covenants, but I'm going to tell you. And now in verse 13, because of Christ dying that death, shedding that blood, you who were once out of it altogether are in on everything. All the promises you weren't in on before, now you're in. Jesus made everything new. And in verse 16, it says, Jesus started over. Instead of continuing with two people groups he's, that were separated by centuries of animosity, the clean versus the unclean, uh, the suspicion, the chosen versus the outsider, he created a new kind of human being, a fresh start for everybody. No matter in, you're in. You are no longer outsiders, and it's all because of Jesus. So we're going to have a time of discussion to talk about that idea. So our questions are, describe an area of your life where you may to see yourself as someone, and how do these verses in Ephesians encourage you to see yourself as someone as in on everything, that you're a new kind of human being, that you're no longer separated? So I hope you've had some really great discussion. Okay. <laughs> okay, so the next the next point that we're going to talk about, I I also I wanted to um, say that Tiffany, I really like Tiffany's idea that um, when she feels like an outsider, she just kind of reflects back to this isn't my eternal home. My eternal home is in heaven. And so when also if she's feeling that way, there's to also make a place for inclusion for other people. So if she's feeling that way, there's probably someone else that's feeling like an outsider. So she creates a, a way to help other people feel um, included. So I really loved both of those points. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, so uh, when we're thinking about that for ourselves, it's something that we can also probably do in our daily lives. If I'm feeling like an outsider, 
probably someone else here is too, and um, we can include them. So the next point we're going to talk about in Scripture that Paul kind of goes through this idea of, hey, you're no longer an outsider. You're in now. You're in on all these secrets and all these promises and all these covenants. You're in. This is yours too. So he goes even further to talk about how Jesus tore down every single barrier that ever came against us and having access to the Father. So we're going to start in verse 14 through 15. Uh, Paul says, the Messiah has made things up so we, that we are now together in on this, both non-Jewish outsiders and Jewish insiders. He tore down the wall we used to keep each other at a distance. He repealed the law code that had become so clogged with fine print and footnotes that it hindered more than it helped. So Jesus broke down every single wall that had ever kept us, kept us out of uh, being able to have access to Jesus. So there was hostility there was um, hatred between these two people groups, the chosen and the non-chosen. That is centuries old. Chosen, non-chosen, they hated, the chosen hated and had hostility against. Um, the Jewish leaders had made it almost impossible to follow every single law that um, would have them uh, be able to gain access and, into God's presence. And the wall of hot, hatred and hostility was so incredibly thick that only Jesus could tear down that wall. And the temple uh, that the Jewish, the chosen people had gone to uh, for centuries to worship in actually had physical walls that would keep you out of that um, had been created. So there were different courts, different places in the temple that um, had been created um, for only uh, for certain people types. So there was a Jewish, uh, sorry, a Gentile court um, that was supposed to be used for evangelism. So if you were a Gentile, um, you could go to the temple. If you became uh, aware of God and you wanted to honor him and you were traveling through Jerusalem and you wanted to honor the Jewish God, you could do that and you could go to the Gentile court. And if you um, wanted to uh, be close to his presence, that's where you could go. Um, but it was designed uh, for, uh, for the Gentile people to come to. And there was, um, it's called the Soreg, right, Andy? Am I saying that right? Okay, perfect. And there, um, we have a slide that shows you a picture of that. And in 1871, there was an actual uh, sign that was found. And what read on it was, no foreigner may enter within the barrier or enclosure around the temple. Anyone who is caught doing so will have himself to blame for ensuing his death. So if you're a Gentile and you wanted to go any other place than the Gentile court, you were saying, I know if I go here, I'm going, I caused my own death because I am not allowed to cross this barrier, this wall. So a dividing wall and a warning would have met you if you tried to go anywhere other than the Gentile court you were supposed to go. So it's believed, if you've ever heard the story, that Jesus comes to the temple and it's near Passover time and he goes to the temple courts and he sees money changers and he sees people with animals and they're selling these animals in the court to be to people that have traveled to Jerusalem for Passover. And he goes into the court and he takes out a whip and he just clears the place. He says, nope, you can't come here. It's believed that the court that he clears is the Gentile court. Because the Gentile court was a place where God feared people that weren't Jewish people, that's where they could go. But the Jewish people had made that court a place where 
they were going to sell animals. So it was probably full of dung, full of noise, full of people. But Jesus said, I want everyone to have access to me. This is the Gentile court. This needs to be clean. You've made it a place of corruption. It was created to be a place where these people can come. You've made, this is a barrier wall. They can't pass here. So this is the only place that they can come. And he, even in his life, he came to this court and he said, get out. This is their place. This is the place that they, I have designed for them to come. In um, Isaiah 56, 7, Isaiah calls that the temple a place for all nations and a house of prayer for all people. And so Jesus knew that. And he actually says the scripture when he's excited. He did a place for all nations. You're included. You're not an outsider. He did this, uh, he reached out to the marginalized and the sick uh, in his lifetime. He touched the sick, he healed the paralyzed, he touched the dead. So he uh, was a, always went out for the marginalized. Um, in Mark eleven eighteen, Mark tells us that when Jesus cleared the temple, the Jewish people saw that he was clearing out this place where the Gentiles could come. And at that moment, they said, how can we make sure that we plot to kill him? He knew that um, it would destroy, um, that the wall of the barrier in his life, he wanted to destroy it. And in his death, he knew that it would ultimately tear down that barrier. In his life and in his death, Jesus tears down everything that separates us from him. There's also a court for women. The women could only go into a specific court. So um, in the temple, there was a gate, and it was called Beautiful. And you could walk through the Beautiful Gate, and you could go there for morning worship, and the women could be there. If you've heard the story of um, the woman giving her widow's mites in the offering, this is the temple that she probably was. And also when Jesus brought the woman that was caught in adultery, um, they probably brought her to this court as well, and Jesus tells her sin and go uh, go and sin no more. And so there was a barrier for Gentiles. There was a barrier for women. There was a place that only the priests could go and offer these sacrifices. Um, so the blood sacrifice was, um, priests could only go into one part. And then there was another part called the Holy of Holies. And this was the most exclusive place. The high priest one person could go in one time of year on the Day of Atonement, which is now known as Yom Kippur, if you uh, are uh, familiar with that term as well. So one person, one time of year can go into this place. It's the holiest place it's where God's presence was. And so even in the actual temple, there were barriers for people that you could only access God's presence at arm's length for some. And uh, in verse uh, Paul tells us he tore down the wall we used to keep each other at a distance. He repealed the law code that had become so clogged with fine print and footnotes that it hindered more than it helped. Jesus was raised as a new man and gave us a fresh start. So in Jesus' death, he raised and broke down those barriers. And we want to talk about how you can be a part of breaking down those barriers too. So we have a discussion question, um, another one, that uh, you're God's plan A to help bring the gospel to people around you. How is God calling you to bring people on the outside to the inside? And what does a healthy church look like? on the inside? What kinds of things will a healthy church be involved in on the outside? And Pastor Andy beautifully showed a picture of how you guys are already doing that, going to the bridge. Um, so how can you, um, what kinds of things will a healthy church be involved in on the outside? So the next uh, point that we're going to point out is Jesus brings peace. 
In verses 16 through 18, Paul tells us, Christ brought us together through his death on the cross. The cross got us to embrace, and that was the end of hostility. Christ came and preached peace to you outsiders and peace to us insiders. He treated us as equals and so made us equals. Through him, we are we both share the same spirit and have equal access to the Father. So the word peace that Paul uses here is the Greek word arene, and it actually means peace between individuals and also the tranquil state of the soul that is assured through salvation in Christ. So in uh, 1 Timothy 2, 5, uh, says there is one God and one mediator between God and man, and that man is Jesus Christ. And so Jesus came to preach peace to the insiders and also to us who are considered non-outsiders. He came to be our sacrifice so that we could have peace and direct and equal access to God. His mission was always to bring peace. And I have been on five airplanes in the last week, and um, that's not always peaceful. And the people around you are not always peaceful. And um, my connecting flight for my return flight got canceled, so I uh, waited, you know, 400 people trying to get a hotel room, trying to get meal vouchers, all that. People are not peaceful. And so this whole time, just like this idea of bring peace, you're a carrier of peace, where you go, Jesus came to bring peace, so be peaceful. And so I was walking through this whole journey this weekend of being peace and bringing peace. So I was in my, on my last leg, I was in Dallas, and so time we almost every single person in the line had a, a meal voucher from the airline and so tons of people already upset um, so we're in the line and we're going through the guy in front of me orders a five shot white mocha like a uh, the largest one you can get so I was like okay he's on edge so we already know people are on edge so we get I, I order mine I go to the line wait in the waiting area, and I see this woman walking directly toward me, and I was like, okay, she has something to tell me, and I didn't know what, and she, and she began to just speak hostility and awful words about the people that were serving us, so much so that my heart almost, like, I, it was so hostile, the words that she was saying, they were very personally hostile to a person that she doesn't even know, and I began to imagine this triangle of people, me, this lady, and the gentleman serving us, and it almost became like a triangle in my eyes, and I could see these walls building up, because she was just spewing hostility to this man that she doesn't even know to me, and if I would have agreed with her, then it would have connected us in a wall that would have connected to him, and then he would have no idea that this wall of hostility was building against him. And so this whole time, I was just thinking, how can I bring peace to the situation? How can I be a carrier of your peace? And so in that moment, I just, I tried to diffuse every hostile word that she was speaking, and um, by the end, I was able to bless her because she was on the way to meet her new grandchild. So in this moment of joy that she was spewing hostility, uh, there was actually a beautiful story of peace on the other side. And so as we're going through our life, we can say, and in these situations, we can be carriers of peace no matter where we are. And I loved Liz's story earlier. She, she and I were chatting, and she is reading the Bible with a coworker who is Muslim. 
And so you are bringing peace, the peace of Jesus. You are preaching Jesus. You are sharing Jesus um, in, your, um, in your life so that she now has a desire to learn more about Jesus and to um, know who he is. And so Jesus came to bring peace, and that's what he came to do. And so he was always on mission to do that. He tore down the barriers. He calls us insiders. He gives us his covenant. He gives us his promise because he wants us to have peace. And why do we need peace with each other? Because he knows that he was calling us to all be building blocks to, be, to build his home here on earth. So in verse 19, Paul says, um, is that plain enough for you guys? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with me as much at right to the name of as Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He used the apostles and the prophets irrespective of how we got here and what he is building. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone with Christ Jesus as a cornerstone that holds us all together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into a temple in which God is quite at home. He's using you to build his home. No matter how you got here, he's saying you belong. You are counted among the bricks of the disciples and the apostles. And Jesus is at the center of it all. Paul says that Jesus is the chief cornerstone. And that means if you ask any architect, he'll tell you that the cornerstone tells you the size and the shape of the building. So once that's laid, then the bricks around it can be laid. And so if Jesus is our cornerstone, how beautiful and how big is this building that he's creating? And he's calling each of us to be bricks. Paul says that God is building a home and all of us is are built into it. We are a temple in which God is quite at home. So all the former walls are gone. He is now using you to build a new home, a new temple. You are becoming the most exclusive place in the temple, the Holy of Holies. He's calling your temple to have his spirit dwell. You are now the most exclusive place that you could have ever gone into, into the temple. It's you now. He's transforming you into the Holy of Holies. So what does all of this mean for us? We can live more courageously because God is calling you to bring people on the outside on the inside. As we continue to uncover, just like the Ephesians did, what it means to no longer be considered an outsider, but a new human with direct access to God, we can be empowered to live more courageously. We carry an incredible truth with us. And if we share that, with people around us because maybe they don't know the beautiful truth that they are chosen. So wherever you go, we can tear down the walls in Jesus' name. So wherever you go, you can tear down the walls that might be around you. It could be hatred or hostility or exclusion. You can tear down those walls because Jesus did while he was here. So you can tear down those walls around you in Jesus' name. Everywhere you go, you only have to know that there's one group of people, sinners, and we're all that. We're all in the same group. We all need Jesus the same. So there's only one group of people. And preach peace to everyone. That's what Liz is doing with her coworker. He came to uh, preach peace to us, to preach salvation and assurance that we have direct access to God, and we were made to be carriers of peace. 
and you can keep letting him use you because he is using you. No matter how you got here, each of us is a brick that he's calling you to be laid down on, to build his kingdom and to see it um, happen day after day. So the overall theme today, one of them, is peace. And uh, in uh, one of our verses, it says that Christ brought us together through the death on the cross. And the cross got us to embrace, and in the hostility between us, Christ came and preached peace. And the night Jesus was arrested, he was celebrating the Passover feast. And the Passover feast was a night, it was a Jewish festival that happened on an annual basis. And he uh, celebrated this feast his entire life. And he called his friends together, and they were celebrating the Passover feast. And at that dinner, Jesus told his disciples, and he continued the, the narrative that I am the one that is coming to bring peace. I am your Prince of Peace, like Isaiah said. I'm the one that's come to bring your rescue. Even though that rescue looked different than what they thought it was, he was telling them, the time has come, and I am here to bring peace. And so at this dinner, they would have passed bitter, bitter herbs to remember the bitterness of slavery when the Jewish people were in slavery in Egypt. They would have passed unleavened bread, which would have been bread that didn't have time to rise to symbolize how fast they had to leave. And they would have um, had salty water maybe to remember the tears. They would have sung songs of deliverance, celebrating the rescue that they had from slavery. And that same night, Jesus uh, picked up the bread and he said, this is my body. And I bless it and he gave thanks to it. And he said, this is my body that's broken for you. And every single time you do this, every time you gather to remember peace, every wine, and he said, this is my body. This is my new covenant. This is my new promise that as I'm going to the cross, this is my new promise of peace to you. And every time you do this, remember me. And so today, you and I are both going to take a piece of bread and, and dip it into wine to remember, to remember the times that we were considered outsiders and to remember this new covenant that we now have, Jesus, that he came to bring us peace and we could only have peace because of his sacrifice. The walls are torn down and we have direct access to him. The Passover meal ended, and Jesus knew the pain that was coming, and so he chose a place to go. And the place that he chose matters, because the place that he chose was the Mount of Olives. And the Mount of Olives included a garden called Gethsemane. And Jesus, uh, the scripture says that as he did, um, usually as he did, he went to the garden. So this was a place of peace for him. And so the Prince of Peace enters a place that is surrounded by symbols of peace. So we have olive leaves um, on our, our communion table today. And the olive branch in scripture was first noted in Genesis 8. And Noah, uh, if you know the story of Noah, he was in an ark and there was a flood and there was a, a raging storm around him. And when the waters finally ceased and calmed down, he sent out a dove and the dove came back with an olive branch in his, in his beak. And so it was a symbol of peace that God's, the storm had settled and God was bringing peace to the land again. And so the symbol of the olive branch is a symbol of peace. So where Jesus chose to go in his anguish he chose to a place surrounded by symbols of peace, and so he goes to the garden. 
And in the garden, um, the Garden of Gethsemane is, is called the pressing of the olive oil. And the olives, um, when you think of an olive, you think of the, it can't become oil until you press the olive. And so Jesus is going to a place that's literally called the pressing of the oil. So Jesus is being crushed, and he knows what's on the other side of his crushing, but in that is victory for you and for me, so that we could be included, so that we could live in peace, so that we could have direct access to him without any walls. So Jesus tells the Father, okay, God, I'm going to go with your plan, even though on this side of the garden, I'm feeling crushed and in anguish. So he follows the, the, uh, the will of the Father, and he goes to the cross. And on the cross, he lifts up his head, and he said, okay, God, it's finished. And as he said, it's finished, tore from the top to the bottom, that separated us from the holiest place, the veil tore from the top to the bottom. So in the moment that Jesus said, it is finished, a barrier, another barrier ripped, and that we had access to the Father. So he calls you to remember him today, to remember his sacrifice, to remember that he destroyed every barrier, and to remember that even in the crushing that he, can, that he had in the garden and even in the pressing that he felt in that moment, that Jesus knew that the new wine that would be brought out of him would be peace for each of us. And so um, today as we remember, just remember that he's calling you to be a part of what that we can see that is taking place every single day.